Everything is left to fate. It's all left to chance. Now, this is the mantra that most will try and force down your throat. Now, you can't change fate, but you see, as Christians, we can, as we'll see next. Shaping the Future, that is the title of our series. Hi there and welcome. This is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. We're in Jeremiah chapter 18, looking at verses 7 through 11 today, as we'll see that it is never too late to turn things around. It's never too late to mess things up or take responsibility for your life. You see, we can have a difference in how our future looks through God's help and in His strength. With more, here's Pastor Steve Converse on this edition of Graceful Truth from Redwood City. There was a king by the name of Jehoaz, and he was only on the throne for three months. That's how bad he was. Just a bad king, real bad guy. And after that, it was followed by Jehoiakim, And this guy, just three months after Josiah died, he went back and he restored all of the the false altars to the idols. He restored all the false worship. Just the things that Josiah had eliminated. And Jehoiakim was followed by Jehoiakim, who also ruled for three months, and he was also bad. And then there was a fifth king in Jeremiah's life named Zedekiah. And he was just kind of a coward. So we threw him in the bad, bad column too. Because even though he saw everything that was going on, he just couldn't make a decision. He was a very vacillating and kind of weak, coward guy. And so you had Josiah all the way to Zedekiah, these five kings that Jeremiah served under as a prophet. And then you had this phony revival and these four bad kings... And basically, it all ended in a, in a holocaust, you might say. Israel was slaughtered. It was led into Babylonian captivity, where the Bible says that they hung their harps on the willows because they had no more song to sing. In other words, it just sucked the life right out of these people. The glory days were truly gone. The land was decimated. And for 42 years, Jeremiah preached. And you know what? For 42 years, it got worse. I mean, talk about being discouraged. No wonder he was a weeping prophet. Jeremiah preached during the time of Josiah because Jeremiah knew that the prophecy concerning all this was true, that this wasn't a real revival. This is just some surfacey thing. It wasn't real reformation. It was a facade. But Jeremiah knew because he was a prophet of God what was coming. He knew inevitably that there was going to be judgment He wasn't fooled on the surface by what appeared to be revival. And a lot of times we look around and because we elect a a certain politician or we we don't or whatever, we think, oh, it's going to be revival. (laughs) That has nothing to do with that. Revival begins in the heart of God's people. That's where revival begins. There's a lot of revival activity going on within the the realm of Christianity today. And I really want to question its validity. Because I don't see it being transferred over into the, the lifestyle of these people. They're real quick to name the name of Christ. 
but Christ is having little or no effect on their everyday life. Here's what we're looking at this morning. The people of Judah had sinned against God at this point. He had pronounced judgment upon them. He told them that these Babylonians were going to come and they're going to invade their land, cause great destruction, and take many of them as captives. And so knowing that this invasion was imminent, the people undoubtedly were downhearted. They were despondent. Some were probably going to say, is this going to be the end of our nation? Are we going to get wiped off the earth? What's going to happen? And and it was right in the midst of all that gloom, of all that chaos, of all that despair, that God spoke to Jeremiah. And he reminded Jeremiah of three important truths that I think that we can apply to ourselves. And so with that in mind, let's read the first 11 verses of chapter 18 of Jeremiah. And then we'll look at these three truths briefly. That's kind of a sobering message, isn't it? Can you imagine being Jeremiah delivering that message? Some of you are familiar with a guy by the name of Yogi Berra, coach. And he says some of the weirdest things he used to. He said things like, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. What does that even mean? Or a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. Okay. The future ain't what it used to be. He once said this at a pizza place. He says, you better cut the pizza in four pieces because I'm not hungry enough to eat six. (laughs) Kind of a sense of humor. He also gave this advice. Always go to other people's funerals. Otherwise, they won't come to yours. (laughs) But one thing that he was known for, one of his sayings that went down was this. Basically, and it kind of nails it. It ain't over till it's over. And that's true. And that's what I'm here to share with you this morning. No matter how things look in your life right now as you sit here this morning, it's not over till it's over. See, those are words that we can hold on to. Those are words that we can live by. I think a lot of times we think that the way things are going today or maybe things aren't working out that, uh, you know what, there's no hope. Um, The economy is not looking good or whatever is looking good, either way, it's not going to be the same. Nothing stays the same. Whether it's your business, whether it's a relationship, it comes, it goes, it ebbs, it up and down, ebbs and flows. All those things happen. But at the same time, there's encouragement through that because God is there for us. Things won't always be like they are today. Sometimes they'll get worse. And that's what Jeremiah is kind of sharing here and, and God uses a unique way of taking him to this potter at his wheel. And the idea is there's still time on the clock. Uh, you give 100% until you, that, that buzzer sounds at the end of the game. And see, we need to really understand that as a church, as individual Christians, we're not to give into all this information sometimes that we receive thinking, oh, wow, you know what, we're on the losing end of this. No, I read the end of the book. You know what, we win when we're on God's side. And so it's very important that we understand that going into this new year. Three reasons here why no matter what you're going through in your life, you can make sure that it's not over till it's over. The first reason is this. The potter is at the wheel. That's what he says here. He says, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. That's what a potter does. He works at a potter's wheel. The potter really symbolizes the Lord here. Jeremiah makes it a point that the potter is at the wheel. 
It's another way simply of saying, you know what? God is in control. God is in control of this thing. Even though it seems like it's coming unhinged at times, God is in control. Now, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it doesn't even appear that way. Sometimes it looks like we're just this lump of clay spinning out of control on this potter's wheel without anyone in control. But you know what? The Bible tells us a different story. It says even though sometimes that may, may feel or it may look that way, there is a potter. And he is sitting at the wheel of this world and even your life as an individual. The Bible says that he's shaping us, he's molding us, he's making us into the person that he desires us to be. With all the good, the bad, everything, he's, he's making it happen. I read something interesting this past week that in these icy waters surrounding the island of Greenland, there's a lot of icebergs. Some are pretty small, some are really big. Scientists figured out that if they watch these icebergs closely, the small icebergs move in one direction and the large icebergs move in another direction. So they did a study and they they discovered that the smaller icebergs are driven by the surface wind because they're small. So the wind may be blowing north. Well, the icebergs, the little icebergs move north. Whereas the larger icebergs go down deep into the water. They're much bigger in mass. And they're actually carried along not by the wind. The wind's blowing. It doesn't even affect those big icebergs. But what carries them along are the deep currents in the ocean. So you have big icebergs going this way and little icebergs going that way. You can't see the currents, but they're there. And see, a lot of times that's kind of how life is. You may not see what's really going on under, underneath everything, but, but God does. Maybe some of you heard of Bertrand Russell. He was early in the 20th century, a version of Richard Dawkins. He was an outspoken critic of religion, said he was an atheist. And once he was asked that what he would say if he met his maker after his death, what he would say to that. And his response was this. God, you gave us insufficient evidence. He was a scientist. Dawkins, who's never really original in his thinking, said the same thing. He just used that quote. But there's a lot of people that feel that way, unfortunately. See, God exists primarily, you might say, in those deep ocean currents of life. You know, you can't really define him mathematically. He doesn't get up every morning and hold a press conference for us. And some people just conclude, you know what? I don't think he exists. But when you stop and you begin to look at how he is involved intricately in our lives, in our world, it doesn't take much to realize that there is a God and that he is in control. He is that potter sitting at the wheel. See, God may not be what you you call empirically discernible, but he's intuitively discernible. If you look for God, the Bible says you will find him. Just look around. Look at creation. Later in the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 29, 13, he says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if you're of the persuasion to look for God, you will find him. If you just simply close your eyes and decide he doesn't exist, you won't. It's as simple as that. And so, first of all, we have to understand that this potter is at the wheel. See, one reason why you should never give up on your future is because the potter's at the wheel. God's in control. Well, the second thing here is that the potter can transform a mistake into a masterpiece. Look at what he says in verse 4. 
He says, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to do. Since the potter's at the wheel, does that mean you're never going to have any problems in your life? Does that mean if you come to Christ that, boy, it's just, you know, smooth sailing? No. You're going to have issues. You're going to have pain. You're going to have disappointment. All those things. The King James Version of that verse says, The vessel he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. Another translation says, The vessel was broken, which he was making with the clay. Another translation says, But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped for. See, there are times when the clay in our life gets marred. It may get broken. It may get dented. There are times in our lives when things may not turn out the way you want. They may turn out different from the way even God wants them. But I want you to understand this. Even though we understand that God is sovereign, right? He is in control. He is the potter sitting at the wheel. It's important to understand that that, that God does not dictate and design everything that happens. That's what you would say is a theology of fatalism. Now, that may be hard to hear because we do believe God is in control of, of all things. And some people have a hard time believing that. And so those people want to blame everything on God. You know, they, they want to blame every bad thing on God, on the will of God. Sometimes something horrendous happens to somebody. Maybe a loved one's killed in an auto crash or something. And this kind of person who has this kind of thinking and fatality, well, it must have just been God's will. If it wasn't God's will, it wouldn't happen. Sin happens under the sovereign hand of God. And that's very clear for us to understand. But there are many things that happen to us that are not within the will of God. For one, the Bible says, God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Bible says. What does that mean? He may not be willing for anyone to perish, but last time I checked and I looked around, there's a lot of people perishing. There's a lot of people who are not repenting. There are a lot of people who are resisting the will of God. That's why Jesus told us to pray that God's will be done on earth, what? As it is in heaven. What does that imply? Well, in heaven, everything is the way it ought to be. Is it here? No. See, God's will isn't always done on earth. If it were, that line in the, the Lord's Prayer would really wouldn't mean anything. God's will doesn't always take place on earth as it does in heaven. Things happen here that are outside the will of God. And you say, well, how are you defining the will of God? Well, there's, you know, the, the, the general will of God, and then there's a the specific will of God. And what he's saying here. And Jeremiah said, you know what? Sometimes the jar doesn't turn out the way he had hoped. Well, when that happens, what did Jeremiah say next? In verse 4, he says, so he crushed it into a lump of clay and started again and started over. He reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to do. See, the idea that our lives after we come to Christ are this perfect little life and everything just goes on within the will of God, is that's a fairy tale. That's not real reality. We still live in a sinful body. We still live in a sinful world. We're still given to desires sometimes of the flesh. So things happen outside the will of God. 
But listen, nothing happens outside of the control of God. Nothing happens outside of the control of God. There's no situation beyond his reach, beyond his control, beyond his power to redeem. He can take the broken parts of our lives and shape them into something beautiful. You remember that song by Bill Gaither? He wrote back in the 70s. And this is the chorus, beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. And he made something beautiful of my life. That's just a simple little chorus. But you know what? That's what God is capable of doing. Sometimes the clay in our life gets marred because of our bad decisions, because of our sinful behavior. Sometimes it gets marred due to the bad decisions of others who may be in our lives. Those experiences are not God's perfect will for our lives, but he can take those bad experiences and use them to shape something good. Some people ask this simple question, well, why do we have to experience any bad at all? Why does anything bad have to happen? Why can't God just intervene and and make all the bad disappear? Why can't he just stop it before it happens? Well, if you've ever parented a child and that child's growing up and sometimes those children make bad decisions, probably the, the worst thing you could do is just intervene right away and correct everything. Constantly correct everything so that they never feel the consequences of their bad decisions. The hardest thing to do is to sit back and watch your child make bad decisions and be there to catch them when they fall. But to realize, you know what? This is part of life. This is part of growing up. Sooner or later, they're going to be on their own and they're going to make bad decisions and I'm not going to be there to pick them up or to hold them. See, that's how God is involved in our lives. Sometimes we make sinful, bad decisions, and God is in heaven, could he step in and say, oh, I'm not going to let you do that? Yeah, but he doesn't. Because it doesn't go to the greater purpose of God. As I said, it's salvation and sanctification. Part of being sanctified, part of being made more holy, is going through that process. You know, God didn't give you cancer. God didn't create maybe the, the financial issues that you have. God didn't sabotage your marriage. We need to stop blaming God for the sins of the world and start seeking his help. And and when we do that, God is there to help us. He's there every step of the way. He can take all those blotches, all those mistakes of that marred clay and, and make them into a masterpiece. He can redesign anything for his glory. So don't give up on the future, even though the year hasn't started yet. The third thing I want to share with you this morning is God will shape your future if you're willing to be the clay. And this is the illustration here in Jeremiah. Is it not? Kind of a lump of clay on a potter's wheel. You can be cold. You can be old. You can be brittle. You can be impliable. Or you can be moldable. You can be changeable. That's really a decision that we have to make in life. You remember that old hymn that says, have, your own, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You are the potter. What? I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. 
See, so many times we get on that potter's wheel, we're doing all kinds of dances to get off. Because we don't like those hands coming around us and forcing us and molding us and shaping us into the image that he wants us to be. I mean, just the fact that you're a hunk of clay. I mean, you know, a, a clay doesn't just jump off the potter's wheel. It doesn't have a, even a will of its own. And so we're there to be molded. We're there to be shaped. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Oh, Father, you are the Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. See, God is doing a specific work with you. Even today as you sit here, I don't know what it is. I'm not God. But God does. God knows if you've come to Christ and if, if you've made that decision and you've passed that first step of salvation, are you being sanctified each and every day? Are you asking God to show you what he wants you to do rather than just going off on your own and figuring it out for yourself? I mean, when the clay of life gets marred, there's not much you can do about it. You have to sit there on the potter's wheel. Some people think that somehow they say, you know what, I'm not going to yield control of my life to God. So what do they do? They yield control of their life to this random wheel spinning out of control, and they think somehow they're in control. Have you ever seen anybody work with clay? You know, we had uh, years ago a potter's ministry here, and to see that man take this lump of clay and make this beautiful vase out of it right before our eyes, it was incredible. But if you've ever sat down at a potter's wheel and took a lump of clay and turned that wheel on and it started spinning, it's not easy. You know, you don't just go, this is great, you know. No, I tried it once. I had a big mess. I mean, I had clay over everybody, all over myself. It was falling off the wheel, you know. I was pushing too hard. and I mean, it takes a skill. And it's a skill that we don't possess. But the good thing is God is the potter. He is the one in control. And when in verse 5 he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? So he's giving that example. Here's Israel that was, you know, kind of really messed up big time. And God simply says, you know what? I can just go and start over. That's what God wants to do with you, with me in this new year. But you have to sit on the potter's wheel. You have to feel those fingers and those hands pushing you and molding you and shaping you in maybe a way that you don't naturally want to go. The reason this life is not over till it's over is because the potter is still at the wheel. He is still in control. There's a current working way below the surface. Even though we don't see it, we don't sense it, God is in control of these things. And he can take that mistake, he can take that sinfulness, he can take all those things that we have done in our life that have not been honoring to him, and he can turn them around. He can remold them, refashion them. Even heartache, even our sin, he can take it and use it for his ultimate glory. When we simply are willing to say, Lord, have thine own way. 
Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. I'd also like to let you know that our Grace Bible Church Women's Ministry 2018 Spring Conference is coming up. The author and guest speaker will be Cynthia Heald, known best for her best-selling Bible study, Becoming a Woman of Excellence. Now, the conference will take place out of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, Living Like Jesus. It's May 18th through the 19th. Friday the 18th at 7 p.m. through 8.30, and then Saturday the 19th at 9 a.m. through 2.30. It'll take place here at the church, 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Breakfast is included as well as lunch. Total conference cost, just $20, with a love offering taken both Friday and Saturday evening. For more information, visit our website, gracebibleonline.org, or give us a call at 650-366-366. 9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.